you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. I really feel like the Lord has confirmed His Word. At the beginning of this week, I felt this message, and I pushed it off, and I began to pray, and I felt like the Lord was leading me a different way. But then as I stepped into this house tonight, the Word of the Lord was confirmed through Brother McLaughlin. So what I felt on Monday of this week, I got confirmation for tonight. If you have it, say amen. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Did anybody come into this house tonight knowing that, hey, the weapon might be formed, but it's not going to prosper? talking to First Church of Austin. Is there anybody who needs something from the Holy Ghost tonight? Why don't you shout unto God with the voice of triumph? And why don't you just pray that the Holy Ghost would come down and begin to saturate this place? Oh, come on. Why don't you shout unto God like he's already done it. Like every devil in Austin just took off running in the name of Jesus. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Now, if you're going to preach with the preacher tonight, why don't you say amen? You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Tonight, as I step to this pulpit, I'm very humbled and honored to be here and to preach in the presence of one of my greatest leaders and mentors. Brother McLaughlin is one of the hardest things I will ever do. I'm, if you're a student in any of his classes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a term in the secular world of boxing, and that term is simply fixed fight. The simple definition of this phrase is this, to decide the results of a boxing match in advance. This means that whenever the two opponents step into the ring, there was one of the two that would be the ultimate victor regardless of how the fight went. Both fighters would know the outcome, but the rest of the world around had no clue who would reign victorious over the other. And I know that you're thinking this sounds a little bit unfair, and you would be 100% correct. For one person to step into the ring knowing fully well that they were about to take a beating of a lifetime only because the fight is fixed. Fixed fights happen more often than you think, mainly because whenever the two managers get together with opposing fighters, they know full well what each of their fighters can take. And therefore, to protect their fighters, they will fix the fight. And tonight, at the onset of this message, I have come to tell Austin, Texas, that the fight that you are currently enduring 
is fixed. You have an advantage over the adversary because you know for that in the end, you are going to win. The moment that you stepped into the ring and began to fight the spirit of hell, God stood in your corner and said, this fight is fixed. And so the title of this message is the fight is fixed. I've come to declare to you that the devil stepped into the ring knowing that this would be the last fight, that he would fight you here. And Austin, his manager said, you know what? We can't take it. Jesus reigns victorious in this ring. I know what the devil has come to tell you in Austin. He's told you that you're not good enough. He told you that you're fighting a losing battle. He tells you every single day that you wake up that the anxiety and depression that you fight will be the death of you. But I've come to tell a child of God inside of this house uh, that the devil has a big mouth. uh, And I've come to tell you about that big mouth. Uh, The devil is a liar. You see... He doesn't really care too much about you right now because he knows if he can knock you down, if he can get you to where you cannot get back up, he wants to talk you into your defeat. What they do in these UFC fights and boxing fights is they get the two fighters together before the fight and they just start mouthing at each other. And they know that if they can get into the other person's head, It'll be over. Because if they can get into your mind and knock you down before the first punch is even thrown, then they've won the whole entire battle. But then whenever you get into that ring and all of a sudden the blows start hitting you and knocking you down, you have a scripture that's found in Micah, verse 7 and 8. Rejoice. Not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. That means I may be beaten and I may have taken a few blows. But oh devil, you better not forget. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. When the voice of the enemy comes against you and begins to tell you that you will never see the end of this come to pass, the devil is still a liar. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, it is speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That means any time that the devil is moving his lips, it is a lie. I don't care what the world has told you. Walking into this house, the devil is still a liar. You can be seated in this place. We're going somewhere, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. In this world we're living in, We are fighting a pandemic that is rampant, and it's bigger than COVID-19. 
that pandemic would simply be the spirit of fear. That word, pandemic, means global outbreak. And the truth of the matter is, our entire world is fearful. We're scared of the virus. We're scared of the government. We're scared of what the next day will bring. We fear what others will think. We fear where the next paycheck will come from. But the solution to this fear is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. In the setting of this scripture the Bible says that fear hath torment. That agonizing kind of fear which robs us of all joy and confidence before God. That kind of fear that will occupy your your mind day and night and begin to terrorize you day in and day out. You wake up and there it is. You go to sleep and there it is. But for the but believer, I've got some comforting words for you that is found in Psalms chapter 127 and verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Vain in this context is defined as useless, meaning that it is pointless to lose sleep over the worries and the cares of this life because to the men and women of God who trust in him, you do not have to lose sleep over it. For he says, I giveth my beloved sleep. I promise you, you are loved by Jesus Christ. Oh, you don't believe me? Why don't you just read John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, you are loved. Romans chapter 8, 35 and 37 says... Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The love, it cast out the fear. The scripture doesn't stop there. Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're tormented on every side. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that first loved us. That just simply means that for in the end, you will win. It does not matter what the situation looks like. We are loved by the Father and by the my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We are loved and we are more than conquerors. Psalms 91 says, He that dwelleth 
in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me for the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. We have the truth. Do you understand? We have the truth. The truth is the Acts 2.38 message. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the truth will be your shield and your buckler. I don't know if you know or not, but a shield and a buckler is used in battle. It's used in a fight. Shield in ancient times were big. They were taller than the average person. They would stand behind them whenever arrows and spears begin to come. But the Bible says that you also have a buckler. The buckler would go on the wrist and forearm. What it was was a smaller shield. And it would fight, it would be in the hand-to-hand combat. And it, whenever they would strike you with the sword, it would glance right off of it. But the Bible says that truth will be your shield and buckler. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've got a shield and a buckler. Are you hearing what I'm preaching to you right now? The moral of the story is we've got a shield. And for in the end, we will win. Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Farathoth, between Migdal and the sea, and against Belshazzar. Before told him you will be trapped and that the Egyptian armies that were led by Pharaoh they're going to catch up to you so they knew leaving that they were going to be trapped and that there would be nowhere to go but the Bible continues to tell us that Pharaoh would look at the children of Israel and say, they are entangled in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. And so it was that the children of Israel had left e- Egypt, and now they were standing at a body of water with nowhere to go. And I can hear them now, Moses knowing the only one, that they were going to be trapped. They said, Moses, we've came all this way just to be caught. Just to have this be our end. We might as well just go back. And I can hear it now. 
as Pharaoh begins to get a little bit closer. He's screaming to his head general, Brother McLaughlin. We got them. They're stopped. They can't go anywhere. The Red Sea's right there. Then all of a sudden, Moses... He takes that staff and he stretches it out across the Red Sea. And all of a sudden the Red Sea begins to part. But see, that's just like some of you. You've been delivered. You've been set free. And you've walked into your miracle. But as you walk into your miracle... The enemy follows you into the miracle. And they're walking after you. They're stalking you, Brother Green, Pastor Green. And they're just trying to see how close they can get. But guess what? The Bible does not stop there. The Bible says that there was a cloud that divided the children of Israel from the Egyptians. And as they were divided, the Lord looked down from heaven, Brother McLaughlin, and he said, you know what? You're getting just a little too close to my people. And I think we overlooked this scripture. I'm gonna, I want to I read it just to make sure I read it right. This is what it says. The Lord shall fight for you. Oh, 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 did you hear what I said? The Lord will fight for you. Oh, but I've already been delivered. Guess what? He'll still fight for you. Oh, but then it gets good. Remember that cloud that divided the children of Israel uh, from, the, from the Egyptians? Uh, the Lord looked down and he said, you know what? You're getting just a little too close to my people. And then all of a sudden it says, and it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians. He looked through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And then the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians the Lord trumped Do you understand what I'm saying? It does not matter how close the enemy gets the Lord is still on our side And Brother Green, I don't know what you're dealing with inside of this city, but don't you dare forget that the Lord will fight for you. You see, my favorite part about all of this is that the Lord did not give them false hope. If the Lord speaks something, the Bible says that the Lord will fulfill every promise that he And what did Brother McLaughlin do? He came up here and spoke the living word of God. And I've come to declare to this church that help is on the way. I don't know what you're dealing with, somebody, but the Lord is sending your help. He's sending the second wave of the anointing of God on the inside of your house and your kids. Come on, keep praying, Mama. Keep praying, Daddy. That backslidden son, that backslidden daughter, they're coming back. Why don't you raise your hands to the Holy Ghost right now?
I've got one more story. Is that okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 14, we see that Jonathan is about to go into battle against the Philistines. But there was something that just did not seem right to me about this passage of Scripture. Jonathan knew that Israel was hopeless. He knew that they were outnumbered. And not only that, they were demoralized. They had no hope in sight, Pastor Green. They had been beaten. Their morale was low. But still, the man of God, he said, we can, we can do this. Because verse 1, Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan leads over to his armor bearer. And he says, and Jonathan said to the young man, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. Because it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to, to the Lord to save by many or by few. Jonathan began to look at his armor bearer and say, you know what, maybe. Just maybe the Lord will come through for us. We're beaten. We have nothing left. Hadn't baptized anybody in five years. Feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't you just slip your hands up in the air? There's somebody inside of this house right now. That the devil has taken your mind and has beaten it down to a pulp. And you have no hope left. But I've come to declare to you in the Holy Ghost that the Lord is working for you right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're dealing with. Come on, I feel it right now. Why don't you just stand and raise your hands? Go ahead. Why don't you just declare it? If I'm talking to you, why don't you just raise your hands right now? Oh, come on, I feel a check in my spirit in the Holy Ghost. God is working on your mind. He's transforming your spirit right now. Come on. You've prayed, you've cried the tears, but now it's time to overcome. Your posture means everything. For the McLaughlin, he said, there is no restraint to the Lord to save us by many or by few. And so it was that Jonathan and his armor bearer went up and slayed 20 of the Philistines by themselves. But then, as the armor bearer went up and they slew the 20, he had his watcher. He said, I want you to go up there and I want you to look. And the host of the Philistines began to come. And it was not 20 this time. It was the armies. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. As soon as they begin to wake, make their way to the rest of the armies, Jonathan said, let's go. He drew his sword. They begin to slay. 
the Bible says in verse 15 and 16 that there was a trembling in the host and in the field and among all the people of the garrison and the spoilers and they began to tremble and the earth quaked and so it was a very great trembling and the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked and behold and said the multitude melted away and they began to beat down on one another the Lord took the faith of the man of God and he said if you have the faith to believe pastor I'll take the armies and I'll turn them against each other I've come to preach to somebody in this house that the trap that was set for you was not meant for you it was meant for the enemy and the Lord just took your situation and he just flipped the tables and he said you are now the victor you are now more than a conqueror But you know something about a conqueror? A conqueror is not in a fetal position. Because Brother McLaughlin, this world tries to feed us the lie that the church has to be balled up in a corner. And you have no strength to speak. No strength to say anything. more power in your two hands and in your feet than the whole enemy does, that the whole army does. And the Bible says that you are a conqueror, a conqueror. They have a little bit of a shout. They have a little bit of a dance because they say, you know what? Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, oh, I shall arise. Just talk to somebody in this house. It's been a long time since you danced under the inspiration of God's Spirit. Is asking you, are you really a conqueror? Do you really believe that you're victorious? Or Sister Green, was that sickness going to defeat you? Oh, no. I'm sorry. She's standing right here dancing because we are more than conquerors through him that first loved I ask you in the Holy Ghost tonight, if you need something from God, would you come to this front? If I didn't preach to anybody, I preached to me. Because it is hard to give God a joy, a joyful noise in the midst of nothing. In the midst of defeat, whenever you stare fear right into the eyes, whenever water begins to come through your roof, it's hard to praise the Lord.
Does anybody remember the man by the name of Jehoshaphat? He had a man by the name of Jehaziel. He appointed singers. He appointed dancers. But what you must realize is that the battle was not won through a silent church. The man of God, he said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to praise. You're going to sing. You're going to beat the drum. You're going to make the noise. You want to know why? Because the weapons of our warfare are not the same as the world's. Hold on, we're going somewhere. Hold on. The world wants to get you in this mentality that makes you think you have to have something in your hands right now. Do you know what faith is? Faith is praise during an empty season in your life. Faith is literal praise in an empty season in your life. Is there somebody in this place that would just let out a praise and just say, you know what? This is my praise. This is where it is. This is where it stops. This is where. Oh, I believe it. I feel it. He told, the, he told the trumpet players, he said, look, Brother John, we're not going to praise him because he's been good. We're not going to praise him because he's been doing everything for us. The Bible says that you're going to praise him for the beauty of his holiness. Is there anybody in here that just knows God's holy? He doesn't have to be good to you to get your praise, brother. He's just holy. And so I praise him for the victory because he's holy. It does not matter what the 
Bible says that you shall run and not be weary. The Bible does not say that you will be delivered into running and then you'll not be weary. The Bible says that you shall run and not be weary. If you're weary in this house, have you stopped running? Have you stopped running? Why don't you just tell the devil, huh, straight up, huh, I don't have it. 